You, 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 you are now locked in to the Clock Dodgers podcast. Winterfell is our home. It's ours. And Arya's and Bran's and Rickon's, wherever they are, it belongs to our family. We have to fight for it. I'm tired of fighting. It's all I've done since I left home. I've killed brothers of the Night's Watch. I've killed wildlings. I've killed men that I admire. I hanged a boy younger than Bran. I've fought. And I lost. All right. Episode four, season six of Game of Thrones is in the books. This is your host, Neil. You're listening to the Clock Dodgers podcast. I have my boy, Tony, with me. How you doing today, man? I'm doing good, man. How you doing? Doing all right, man. Doing all right. We just had another great episode, you know, finish up. And so, uh, you know, this is the second episode we're doing, you know, following the show at this point. And so we have a lot to talk about, um, a lot to get into. And so we're just going to pretty much dive right in because there's so much stuff that I want to get to here. Um, and and let, let's just open up with, you know, the opening scene from the episode, which was like a family reunion scene um, where, you know, Sansa sees Jon Snow pretty much for it almost seems like the first time since season one i don't even know if they interacted much on season one but um you yeah. know th- this is the first time they're kind of um seeing each other again and so um i don't know about you but for me this scene was like perfect like everything about it was perfect it was like a real you could just feel how how special it was um and you know obviously she's there to kind of kick john snow in the butt now right because he kind of was you know giving up on his fight that he had inside of him. Yeah, because, you got a little emo there. Yeah. So, you know, because he was hurt about, you know, being murdered for what, you know, he thought he was doing right. So now she's there to kind of, you know, put that spark back in him. So um, do you agree with me as far as that scene, how, how special it felt? I think they I think they nailed it. Oh, yeah. It's beautifully shot. Like, I love the fact that there was no words exchanged or anything like that. It was just both of them seeing each other, meeting each other's eyes, and then embrace and they didn't really have, like, any interaction in the series up until now. I, don't, I think this is the first episode that those two characters were in together since season one, uh, since episode one. Yeah. Because Sansa went with uh, Ned down to King's Landing, and John went up to the wall. Yeah. And they weren't ever particularly close on the show. Nope. But watching, you know, we've watched these characters grow and change and go through so much shit. And the whole family died, and it's like they're all they have left now because they believe, you know, they think Bran's dead. They think Arya's dead. Like, they don't know that they're alive, you know what I mean? Right. So they're the only family they have left. And, and really and watching I've, those two reunite, like, I teared up a little bit. Like, it was a beautiful moment. Yeah. One, and, of, one and of my favorites. I forget which one of them said it first, but one of them said, like, we should have never left. And how true yeah. that is yeah, because, exactly. you know, everyone kind of left and they're either dead or, you know, are on their own path right now. And yeah, the whole family went to shit. Like, if they could just go back to that, that first moment and be like, no, I'm not going to become your hand. They could just be like, I can't can't become the hand of the king. Yeah, None of this would have happened. Yeah. So, so you know, from, from that point when we first seen them to this point now, um, you know, complete character switch as far as, you know, who they are, um, what they've been through. Um, but like I said, you know, the fact that, you know, John was down on himself, um, this obviously needed to happen, you know, to create that fire in him again. And of course, you know, between her and then the letter from Ramsey, obviously, um, we see that we're getting Jon Snow back. So that's going to be interesting. Um, I don't know. It it seems like he's kind of got this, uh, you know, this cast of characters now, you know, Melisandre, um, Davos. Um, Brienne, all all these people, the wildlings, you know, um, do you think everybody's just going to go with him? Besides, obviously, the Night's Watch. I mean, do you think everyone's just going to kind of head off together? Well, yeah, I do, honestly, because I think um, when you've seen Tormund's reaction when he was talking about killing all the wildlings, like, Tormund's on board. If Tormund's on board, all the wildlings are on board. Yep. And then Brienne's going to go wherever Sansa needs her to go because she swore loyalty to her. So I think she'll put her differences aside with Davos and with uh, Melisandre. And then Davos and Melisandre seem to cling on to John because now that Stannis is dead, they just they need like a leader. They need some guidance, you know what I mean? Some, something to do, basically. So right. I think that 
they'll go with John. So I do think those two uniting will unite those two separate camps. That was, and I love the tension in that scene when uh Brienne, Brianna and uh oh no Brienne sorry and Melisandre and Davos were all together. Yeah. And she was like, "Yeah, I killed Stannis." You know what I mean? Like, a lot. You could just feel the tension between them. Like they wanted to pick up swords, but even Davos was kind of you know the straight-headed guy. You know, that's in the past. Blah 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 blah. blah and was moving on from here. And that's kind of been Davos' role all season, it feels like, is the level-headed one. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like He's the kind of one that brings logic to everything. Exactly, exactly, which is a great role for him. Like, that's perfect for him. And John needs that. He needs that kind of advisor that is very pr- pragmatic, that's right. not emotional. And so, obviously, you know, their their end goal is to go to Winterfell and fight Ramsey. And... Um, I, I don't assume that's going to happen next episode. I, I, I don't know um, how fast that's going to move along, but obviously they're going to kind of get, um, you know, people to help them along the way here, which we see in the previews for next week, um, Littlefinger is there. And so he's talking to them. Um, uh, we've seen him say to uh, uh, the kid, uh, what's the, the the King of the Vale? The little, uh, um, his nephew, I guess, they, you know, they call him. Um, starts with an R. I, can, I don't know why I can't think of it. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, he's kind of talking. I can't stand that little kid, Yeah, I know. So I think I just kind of put him in the back of my mind. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, he convinces him that, oh, we should help Sansa. Um, you know, he's like, oh, it is my cousin. So, this is, this, you know, Littlefinger's always been an interesting twist in the show. He's a lot, you know, a fan favorite because of that, because he's always up to something. Um what do you think his end goal is right now? I mean, do you think he's actually going to help them fight Ramsey? Yeah, that's um, that's always the question with Littlefinger, right? What's his motives? What's what's his end game? Because he's always trying to play the long con. You know, that's Littlefinger's game. He always says, you know, chaos is a ladder. And I do think that he'll join with Sansa to take over Ramsey because, one, I think he sees Ramsey as a threat. He knows that Ramsey's a cunning, manipulative bastard just like he is. And he doesn't want any more of those there around. There's the same reason that you could always feel the tension between him and Barry's, because they were both kind of the same character in King's Land, and they were both backdoor, manipulative kind of dudes, and Littlefinger doesn't like those. So I think he'll need to unite against them, and I think that having the Vale fight the North and things like that, it's just more chaos. It's more shit for the, the king to have to deal with. Or, you know, I'll have these battles up north now. I've got my whole kingdom in an uproar while we're dealing with that shit down in King's Landing. So any more chaos is good for Littlefinger in his eyes, I believe. Yeah. And, and you know, obviously, um, my, my, my question, I, I, I didn't read the books. I've never read the books yet. And I don't know, you know, how, how much has really been discussed in the show. It hasn't. I don't think we've ever been really given a, an actual number or anything. But do you know offhand how big the Vale Army is supposed to be? I mean... Um, I think it's one of the biggest in Westeros. I know um, they're they're. Def- I know the Vale is like one of the most impenetrable armies, but um, I would say probably amongst the armies, they would be probably maybe second or third largest right now. Because I know the North got devastated in the Battle of the Five Kings. The um, the Lannister army got devastated in that battle. Right. Whereas the Vale kind of stayed out of it. You know what I mean? So they were able to kind of hold their forces, hold their ground. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. I've never seen them hold. fight in the show. So. Yeah. Yeah, I know I know. a big thing with the Vale is their defensive position. Because you have to go through all those mountains. You remember when the Hound and Arya are going through the, the big trail to get to the, uh, the castle? Yes, yes. When the Hound was trying to, to sell Arya off. So that's a big thing with them. So I don't know how much of a standing army they actually keep all the time. But I would assume it's probably pretty large in comparison to the rest of the armies, just because, like I said, everybody's been kind of decimated while they really stayed out of the fray. Yeah. And one of the, one of the uh, funny scenes was when Littlefinger uh, was talking. I, I don't know. I forget the guy's name. He's like a general or something. and was kind of like twisting the game on him. And he was like, oh, you know. Oh, yeah. You know, what it, he kind of twisted the whole thing on him. I like, loved it. Oh yeah, that's Littlefinger. He's he's. I'm not going to kill you. I'm just going to show you that I have the power. Robin the King. That's the the king of the uh, uh, Lord of the Vale. Is Robin Aaron? Yes. yes. But uh, yeah, he showed him like I've got Robin in my pocket. As long as I have Robin in my pocket, you can't touch me, no matter how much you disagree with me. And I like that the guy wasn't a fool. 
like he saw right through little fingers shit, but he also was like, well, I kind of have to go with this, so I'm gonna die. Yeah, he had he had so, a uh, you know he had to respect his game, man. He had to just respect it, man. He had a real real recognized exactly. real man. <laughs> so, so you know so i mean we'll, we'll see how that you know how that all plays itself out that's obviously one of the big um storylines going into next week like i said we see in the preview that you know we're going to be back there again so we'll see how that works um one of the other yeah i want to see sandem little finger oh i can't, I can't wait. wait for that yeah because you know how she said in the preview she's like, gonna be pissed yeah she's gonna say like <laughs> did you know ramsey was like that and stuff like that you know what i mean so Man, it's gonna be interesting. Um, the other, um, you know, family that we keep seeing is the Lannisters. Um, you know, they're, they're kind of dealing with their own little political, religious games. There, they're not really um, in in the, you know, they're not really fighting with anybody else except themselves at this point right now. And uh, mm-hmm. you know, they they kind of the Tyrells and everybody. They kind of put everything aside. Said you know, they kind of gave in to each other and said we we do need each other. Um, in this moment to get, you know, the queen, you know, Marjorie um, out from under the high sparrow, um, her brother. Um, and so they're kind of, you know, they've kind of agreed to put things aside and, and, and help each other um, to make that happen. Um, it's going to be it's, it's, it just seems like obviously, you know, they have this plan in place. And I don't know, you know, if it's going to unfold exactly how they think it's going to unfold. It's gonna be it's gonna be fun though because you know the high sparrow keeps playing this this game obviously with everybody. Um, well, it almost seems like he's like pretending to be a good guy to everybody. I don't know, like he's getting inside everyone's head and stuff and telling them stories and um, you know you, you. Yeah, I don't. Go ahead. That's one of the things I struggle with with the high sparrow is whether or not he's actually a bad guy. Yeah. Like we hated all these people for seasons and then now we're supposed to hate him. So I keep struggling back and forth. I think his methods are really extreme but I don't necessarily think he's bad at his core. You know what I mean? Right. But I do think that the whole plan is, it shows that Cersei and Jamie might have a little bit more Tywin in them than we thought. You yeah. know what I mean? I thought they were, they were very manipulative. They used uh, the, uh, the Queen of Thorns and Kevin. They used their uh, emotions against them. You know what I mean? That, you can. We need to get your granddaughter out of there before she walks naked through the streets. Mm-hmm. You know, Kevin. They have your son. Don't you care about your son? You know what I mean. And they're using the Tyrells to fight their battle for them, so they don't have to. Exactly. Which is something Tywin would have done. Like, why am I going to use my forces? I can just make them use theirs and fight this battle for me. And then, if Marjorie and uh, Lance and uh, Loris happened to be killed in the process, and the High Sparrow gets killed in the process, and all of these things happen. That's just good for Cersei. You know what I mean? Yeah. She's kind of bringing them over to to her side, the way she thinks emotionally, whereas, you know, Kevin and, um, what can I think of her name? Uh, um, Why I'm being terrible with names today. But uh, the Queen of Thorns, the, the Marjorie's grandmother. Oh, yeah. She uses their emotion in the way that Sochi usually yeah. thinks very emotionally, and those two are usually very pra- pragmatic people. You know yeah, what I mean, and so, so uh, I thought that was very, very well done. Yeah, and, and I don't, I don't know if I'm looking too far into it or, or what, but you know how how you had mentioned with the High Sparrow, you don't know if if he's really a good guy, if he's really a bad guy, and um, you know, I, I I can't help but relate it to you know modern day religion or you know current religion that we deal with um, across the world. Um, it, it doesn't it seem like a lot of religions are like that though. Even even the ones that we deal with in our time now, where um, you know people just kind of follow what they've always been told, or follow what this book tells them, or follows what their God tells them. And although some people from the outside, you know, looking in may say, you know, these people are extremists, or these people are, um, you know too too into whatever this is or they're misinterpreting it or whatever it is um you know some people look at that like oh they're doing the wrong thing you know but those people think they're doing a good thing you know what i mean so um am yeah, i looking too all... far into this or do you think they're purposely making it like that like that i'm i'm seeing a message they're trying to show well george R. R. martin has always been kind of a um a guy that writes allegories you know like um the insurgency in uh, Marine is an allegory for, like, the insurgency in Iraq. 
things like that. These oh. parallels have been made for, you know, a lot of the books. So I definitely do think that there's a parallel there of, you know, religious extremism, how far you can take it, whether or not it can do good, but also do bad. You know what I mean? So I definitely do think there is a parallel to be made there. Yeah. And, and, uh, and so, uh, and the, like you said, the blind leading the blind, you know what I mean? And that's kind of the way a lot of religious factions go is just, you're taking orders from the, the person above you, you know what I mean? So right. I think that there definitely is a lot of parallels there. Right, and, and you know, they say a lot of the wars that we've had in our time, you know, throughout the, the history of this world have been due to religion, you know, so um, yeah, that's kind of like, like what we're seeing here on a smaller scale. Exactly, exactly. Now, if I had to put you on the spot and I said, you know, when, when this all goes down, whether it's at the end of, you know, I mean, whether it's next episode, um, you know, when they confront the High Sparrow and try to get Marjorie back in, in this plan that they have, um, if I put you on the spot and I said, you know, when that's all said and done, is the High Sparrow dead or alive? What do you go with? I would say alive. You think he's going to be alive? Even if they get her back, alive, you think he yeah. lives? Yeah, a lot, a lot of the way that I think the Faith Militant would protect him would be similar to like how the Secret Service would protect the president. You know what I mean? You have a faction of the Secret Service that would go fight the people that are attacking, and right. you have a faction that would just grab the president and take him away. And I do think that's what would happen with the Faith Militant if they saw that the battle was being lost, basically, that the first thing that they would do is go get the High Sparrow and give up Marjorie, and I think that's about it's going to go. I think they're going to get Marjorie. I think they're going to get her back to the Red Keep, but the Faith Militant are going to be kind of defeated, but the High Sparrow is still alive. Go recoup, and then go into the Red Keep, and maybe we'll get to see Zombie Mountain just start mowing through some Faith Militant, which <laughs> I just want to cheat. <laughs> I'm not rooting for Zombie Mountain necessarily, but I just I just want to see him just mow through some dudes. Yeah, and, and one of the things I think if the High Sparrow doesn't die is I'm thinking maybe Kevin Lannister's son dies. I, I feel like someone yeah, has to die here and, and yeah. from that group that's going to be impactful. So if it's not the High Sparrow, I feel like Kevin's son may die because, you know, how she made a point to say that, like, you know, don't you want your son back? So I feel like he may be a casualty um, in this attempt to get Marjorie back. Um, and yeah, that would cause a further rift between him and Cersei that's already there. You know? Exactly. So, yeah, I could definitely see it going that route. Yeah, so 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 I so I see it, you know, unfolding in some way like that, and um, you know, I don't know if that's gonna happen next episode, but obviously the plans are kind of in motion at this point. Um, kind of moving around, let's kind of go back to the, um to uh to Ramsey for a second. Um, so. You know, the, the the show is obviously continuing its campaign here to make, you know, Ramsey the most evilest um, character we've seen on the show. Um, and, and that, you know, continued in 100% full effect, um, not just the letter, you know, that he sent, which was uh, pretty vulgar and uh, threatening. Yes. Yeah, that was pretty messed up. Uh, you know, not just that, but he also kills, um, I, can't, I always lose her name, but, the, you know, the girl who was with Regan. Um, the wildling girl. Yeah, yeah, the wildling girl. She, you know, he obviously played her like a deck of cards, because um, that was, you know, she thought she was going in there to kill him, and I, and and I knew she would die as soon as I seen that that her motive was to kill him. I'm like, come on, they're not gonna let her kill him right now. Like, it's not gonna oh, make no exactly. Sense. Yeah, no. <laughs> so yeah, as soon as she walked into that room, I was nervous for her. And true story, I was watching an, a- I was eating an apple while I was watching that wow. scene. And when I seen that little shit peeling an apple, I put my apple down. <laughs> that little fuck made me not like apples. <laughs> that is hilarious. So that uh, is... Every time I see his face, it just makes me angry. But yeah, I was I was real nervous from the moment she stepped in. And then you see him like put the knife down. And that was just totally played by Ramsey. Like, I'm going to put this knife here. I know she's going to reach for it. You know what I mean? I'm going to try to make her think that she has the upper hand and then as soon as she does i'm gonna kill her yeah and i and i didn't think when she went in that she was gonna die for some reason i didn't think about it but then when i seen that she was gonna try to kill him when i seen that she looked over at the knife i was like oh yeah she's finished <laughs> yeah she's done so yeah, we're we, not gonna so they're saving that death for sander for oh him, yeah yeah no one of them you know they're not they're not saving that for the wild lingo that was with Rickon that we just saw for the first time in two seasons <laughs> exactly that would have made me more upset if she would have killed him <laughs> but uh yeah i mean his, his um you know his situation is unfolding it's gonna be interesting to see 
you know, when when it when it does get to that point where um, you know Jon Snow and them are there, uh, it's gonna be interesting to see how they you know how how they make that all unfold. Um, which you know we could predict a thousand different ways you know for that to happen. But yeah, I think the the one thing that people got to remember is that Winterfell Winterfell is said to hold be able to hold off an army five to one. That's how strong of a fortress it is. Like, it was built by Bran the Builder, the guy that built the wall. It's an extremely strong fortress and a great defensive fortress. So what, I think John will have to bring Ramsey out, which you could do with Ramsey. Like, Roos was the more logical one. He was, we're not going to give up our defensive position. You know, we'll just try and withhold a siege at Winterfell if we have to. But Ramsey's more emotional, so they'll, they'll definitely have to try to get him out onto the battlefield Yeah, in yeah. order to get to him basically and so we didn't see a whole lot of, of, of ramsey uh, uh, you know other than those impactful moments that we had but we didn't you know the, the, we didn't stay with the character that much during the show um yeah someone that we did stay with a lot was in marine uh with Tyrion. um th- this is something you know i i love that character he's one of my favorite characters in the show but for some reason i don't know if he's making a mistake with the slave masters, if this is going to come back to bite him for the first time, I kind of questioned what he was doing. Um, typically I feel good about it and I'm like, Oh, he knows what he's doing. But for some reason, I just feel like this is going to go wrong some way, somehow. Um, I don't know if I'm right about that or not, but I got that feeling, but I did, I did like how, um, gray worm and then we're kind of, um, you know, slowly, not happily, but kind of, um, you know, uh, agreeing with him or uh, kind of playing his, you know, his, along with his game. Um, I liked how they played that out, you know. Um, yeah. I don't know if he made the right decision, if if even if the deal he made is even going to stand once, you know, uh, Danny gets back because um, obviously that's not one she would stand for and obviously she's been uh, a different woman when she comes back. So um, I'm not sure well, how yeah, long that offer's going to stand for. That's one thing that I wonder is, like, if, Danny's going to be pissed off when she gets back, but this is kind of what Tyrion won her on. You know what I mean? Like you are the the savior figure of this world. You know these these slaves that worship you, but I'm here to teach you how to politic. Yep. You know what I mean? So, and that's what Tyrion's a master of. It's, it's politics. He's a master politician. So him making that deal, like like you could even see. Uh, Messiandi and uh, Grey Worm, they were pissed off at the deal, but they still went along with it because part of them knew he was right. You know what I mean? Like, this is what had to happen. So, but one thing I wonder is if Tyrion's bringing the rules of Westeros over into Essos and whether or not those actually apply. You know what I mean? Like, Grey Worm was telling him the, uh, the slave masters, you know, you will not use them, they will use you, that is what they do. And if he's trying to think of them as, like, noble houses of Westeros and how I would deal with those as opposed to how he deals with slave masters that don't view these them as people. You right. know what I mean? Right. Yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be, um, you know, a, a crazy way when it all, you know, see how it goes. But, um, I, you know, and like I said, I don't know if that's even going to stand, you know, once she gets back. Or maybe she will understand that, you know, there does have to be politics involved. I can't just... Um, do everything with with brute force but you know you know kind of talking about her you know where she was at um at the end of the episode um again you know she doesn't do politics and we've seen how um she got out of her situation yeah. again um yeah, we've seen how she negotiates exactly <laughs> she's not much of a negotiator and she you know gets what she wants and she'll you know kill or whatever it takes to get that so um you know it's gonna be hard to see her coming back and kind of you know, allowing Tyrion to be political and allow that to keep riding. But, um, you know, we'll see. We'll see how that, you know, how that works out. But, um, well, that's the thing is, like, he was talking about how they don't have the forces to hold off the insurgency in Marine. Well, now Danny's got 100,000 Dothraki screamers behind her. So I think she'll be able to keep the cities in line. Yeah, I think bit. she has enough Once now. see that army coming in behind her, you know. It's so weird how she has all these different, you know, factions. You know, she got the Unsullied, she's got the, you know, Dothraki, she's got all these different, uh, you know, groups. But they're all, you know, badasses, man. They're all badasses. But um, speaking of Danny, you know, like 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 I said, she went straight beast mode. Um, she killed all the aspiring comedians that the cows were because I've never seen these guys joke more on the show. 
Um, they all had jokes to say. They all, um, you know, they all cracked jokes. But you know, she pissed them off, and they're yeah, like, "Yeah, I was kind of, I was kind of sad that they died after watching them bullshit around. They were like a fucked up frat on steroids. You know <laughs> yeah, I mean? like they were, they were, they were sitting around bullshitting like me and my buddies would. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, they were making me laugh, and then it's like, oh shit, well. You were funny. <laughs> exactly. I, I, I'm not going to lie. I didn't even see that coming, man. This, the, the whole scene, like how she did that, I didn't see it coming at all. Mm. No, neither did I. Like when she told um, uh, Dario and Jora, you know, I, I'm going to, I'm going to get out of this. You're going to help me. I didn't know how. I think that maybe they like spread some kind of, uh, something to help spread the flames throughout the, the Dosh Kaleen that the, the building that burnt. Oh yeah, because uh, when she kicked I them over, loved, it just like spread everywhere. Yeah, it, it just went up and engulfed. So Unless that's that just a little bit of TV magic, goal. possibly. Possibly. But, uh, <laughs> I I love that whole scene. Like that was probably my favorite Daenerys moment since the dragons were born. Oh yeah, like, I feel like her character's kind of dragged. You know, she's been sacking these cities that we don't necessarily care about. You know what I mean? the whole thing in the marine drag. But when she came walking out of the flames, you know, and naked, which was fine. You know, that woman walks out of flames butt naked. I've been there too. You know what I mean? Like, it'd be, it'd be, it's a wrap. I'm following you anyway. You seen, she but said yeah, there was no stunt the whole, double, man. She had to make sure the world knew. Yeah, yeah, no body double, man. It's, she ain't so she. She was, she, she was proud. Double. She was proud. And uh, I'm proud <laughs> exactly. for her too. <laughs> yep. Yep, feminism, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, you know, she 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 does all that. Um, she comes out naked, um, and and it's a beautiful scene. Uh, not just for her being beautiful, but just the way everything was done. Um, you know, so you know, obviously, like you said, I assume that they'll all travel back to Marine and then you know, kind of go from there. I don't know how that you know how that how that's gonna happen, but. Um, you know, like 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 you said, I, I didn't I didn't see it coming. I didn't expect it, um, but you know, and, and we I mentioned it last episode, I believe that when we spoke about this, her story has been really really slow this season, and so they just kind mm-hmm. of you know went from zero to a hundred in one episode, which oh, exactly. I, I was happy about, and and it, and it seemed like the the reason why I loved this episode so much is everybody's story moved you know moved pretty far pretty quickly, like. Um, nobody's, nobody's, uh, story kind of stood still this week. Um, except, you know, obviously Bran, which he looks like he's gonna have a big episode next week. Um, so, um, th- this, this, um, you know, this episode really moved everybody's story pretty, pretty far along and pretty, pretty well. So, um, it's been, you know, there's been no real disappointing episodes this, this season so far. Nothing's been slow. Nothing's been, you know, uh, disappointing really. Um, the, the, the one thing we haven't mentioned at all was, you know, the Iron Isles. Um, you know, we've seen a little bit of that there. Theon got back there. His sister was obviously upset with him, disappointed in him. Um, and he said that, you know, it seems like she thought that he wanted to come back and be king. He said, you know, I don't want to be, um, that I just want to, you know, help you do that. You know, um, do, do you believe him? Uh, yeah, I do. I, I, I think that, um, he was scared to death, you know what I mean, when he was standing in front of his sister. I don't think Dion has the the willpower anymore to try to manipulate somebody. So I do I do believe what he was saying. I do think that he is going to lend his support to her for what that's worth. You know what I mean? For, yeah. You know, a eunuch that spent most of his life life in the on the dry land that the Iron Islanders hate. But I'm not really feeling the Iron Islands part so far. I don't know how you feel about it, but I just feel like it's kind of wasted real estate. Like, I'm hoping it goes somewhere. But I think uh, a lot of Theon's stuff, since he got captured by Ramsey, has been wasted real estate. Like, we could have used that on other characters to develop other storylines. I'm hoping that maybe Balon turns into something. You know, the the guy that uh, threw the, the Iron Island King off the bridge. Yeah. I'm hoping that goes somewhere. But I'll I have faith in Benioff and Weiss that if they they're putting it on the screen, there's a reason for it. So I'll let it play out. 
but right now I'm just not engaged in it. I just I just don't really care about any of these characters. Yeah, I, I, I definitely feel you on that, and I think maybe if they somehow get them involved a little more with the rest of the story, um, it'll be better off. You know, right now it seems like every time we see them, they're in their own story. You know, they're not like exactly. a part of the rest of the world that we're watching. You know, that's kind of all. Um, coming together in some way or shape or form they're just kind of you know on their own but maybe you know once they figure out their their new king their new leader all that kind of stuff maybe they'll take a side you know we'll, we'll see what happens there but i definitely understand what you're saying where um it seems wasted just because it's not connecting with the rest of the story at this moment um so i definitely hear you on that um that that, that that's pretty much the main stuff as far as um you know the uh, the flow of the episode. I do want to do some different things this week. We said we were going to do some some questions that we received um, from listeners, so we want to jump into that. We'll also give predictions in a little bit after that. So um, you want to open up with one of the questions first and let us know who gave it to us and everything. Yeah, um, yeah we opened it up to the uh, the Game of Thrones chat on the FLA app, and I hope anybody listening to this, you know, you can jump in that chat right after the show, ask us a question, something you want us to address in the show. And at GLR235 asked, what is Littlefinger's endgame? I think we're wrong to assume that he's just going to help the Starks and align with them. He's always got a trick up his sleeve. I already gave my kind of thoughts on what his endgame is. What do you think? Um, you know, I, I think that's kind of the beauty of Littlefinger is we don't know what his endgame is because it seems like his endgame always changes um, with whoever the powers may be, with whoever you know he's around at the moment. Um, if I had to pick one path, um, I mean, you know, I, I think he's going to have the veil help them beat Ramsey because I think it's needed to beat Ramsey right now at this point. But um, after that, I don't know, you know, what his goal is. Obviously, it's not to go back and just chill and relax. So um, obviously, he has some other goal. Um, I can't imagine him, you know, uh, maybe maybe he thinks he's going to marry Sansa, you know, Um that, that's the only, only thing I can think of. That's the only, that's the only like big thing that I feel like he can do. So um, mm-hmm. if I had to say anything, well, you I, know, he had it bad for Catelyn, so it might be, you know, if I can't have the mother, I'll have the daughter. Exactly. <laughs> so if I had to go, which is creepy. Yeah. So if I had to give an end game, you know, that's what I would think. His, his end goal is to get her and kind of, you know, rule over the North with her. Um, so that's that's what mm-hmm. I would say his end game is. So yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, so he actually um, is. It's at GLR two three five. Is that right? Yep. Okay, or two five. I forget if it's two three five two five. Either way, um, you know, he sent it actually more than one question. He sent two questions this week. Um, so we appreciate him for listening and for you know interacting with us here. Um, his other question was about uh, Melisandre and um, you know how she acts so sure about John um, being the Azor Ahai, um, but. You know, he mentions that Khaleesi, or, you know, Danny, whatever you want to call her at this point, um, is also checking off a lot of the boxes, you know, that 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 person, that that, you know, character falls under. So, you know, he kind of asks, you know, who says there's one savior? You know, is there a possibility that there's multiple saviors? Um, How do you feel about that? Yeah, well, that's, um, so I I did a lot of reading up on the Azor High prophecy or the punch that was promised is what they call it in kind of Westeros before, but it's the it's the same thing. It's probably the same thing as the Dothraki, you know, the stallion that mounts the world. Um, the Northerners refer to him as the last hero. And what Azor High was, was during the long night, you had a great winner that lasted a generation across the land. And it was said that the others that we now probably assume are the White Walkers kind of took over the land, and then Azor Ahai was a hero that fought back against the White Walkers. He uh, he forged a sword through, actually he uh, made, the, made the metal by piercing it through his wife's heart, which was supposed to be like a great sacrifice, and it, the, there was a sword Lightbringer, right? And he used the sword Lightbringer to fight back against the others. And there's all of these different references to this prophecy. Um, Maester Amon makes references to this. Uh, Melisandre, obviously. And like I said, a lot of different cultures. And what seems to be a lot of the the uh, the boxes that need to be checked off in order for this person to be as high is uh, they, they're reborn under a red star, which you remember from season one we had that, that comet 
that went over it. Mm-hmm. So that could have something to do with it. Um, they were born in salt and smoke. They they have a flaming sword named Lightbringer. Um, they probably have some kind of association with dragons. Um, Mel thinks that the dragons should be born in stone. And then there's stuff in the books about uh, Maester Amon says in the the Woods Witch, who's kind of like a prophesizer, also says that they would have the bloodline of Eris and Rayon Targaryen. So when you start looking at all these boxes, you start thinking about who's checking them off. And I agree with him that Danny has probably been checking off most of them. You know, like if you think Reborn Under a Red Star, she was she came out of the flames under that comic. Uh, she was born in Dragonstone, you know, the salt of the sea and the smoke of Dragonstone. She, you could interpret the flaming sword as actually being her dragon. You know what I mean? Like it right. might not be necessarily a sword. It might just be a weapon. And what better weapon is a fucking dragon? You know what I mean? So, <laughs> and then... um she obviously has the, the association with dragons that she was able to to birth these three dragons out of stone eggs that were long since thought. And she has the bloodline of Arius and Rhaegon. And then when you compare that to John, John, you could say, now I want to maybe fast forward about three minutes if you don't want any kind of spoilers because I'm going to talk about a theory that's very popular. It's pretty much canon at this point, but... If you don't want to hear it, don't want to know it, just skip ahead three minutes, I'm sure. So I'll let's just give a countdown. We are going to talk about it in five, four, three, two, one. Okay, let's go. All right. Okay, if you believe in R plus L equals J, which is um, Rhaegar plus Lyanna Stark equals Jon Snow, that those are his actual parents, you could say that he was born of salt and smoke, with the salt being his mother's his dying mother's tears and the smoke being the tower of joy battle. You could uh which we saw obviously right. in the show, the, the the fight sequence and like I said last week, you know, you had a woman crying in the tower and this is what I was relating that to that, that holds a great significance. Um it also there says in the prophecy that his is a song of ice and fire and you could think of the Stark being ice and the Targaryens being fire, so it is obviously a song of ice and fire. Mm-hmm. Um, he also uh, he has a sword, uh, Valerian sword, Longclaw, which could be kind of his light bringer, and we've already seen that it can kill White Walkers. Yep. And then, but the the way you miss him is the association with dragons, and the um, but he has the bloodline if he is. From Rhaegar take the Targaryen because Rhaegar is Ares and uh, Rihanna Targaryen's son. Right. So he has the bloodline. All those check out. There's also a lot of um, other characters kind of referencing, you know, John's importance, and you can tell in the show that John's one of the central characters of the show, and this prophecy seems to be one of the central prophecies of the books and the show. So I, I wonder if. Like, why would we spend so much time with John if he's not as Ori High? Right. And my theory is honestly that it's both. I, I don't think that there's only one savior. I think that they are both combined. The going to be the hero that fights off the Long Night and fights off the the White Walkers. You know, you have there's the the books are called A Song of Ice and Fire, and really, if you think about it, John is ice, Danny is fire. That's a song of ice and fire. Right. So I think those two combined to be as or high, the prince that was promised or the princess or whatever, and they will fight back the others and kind of fulfill that prophecy. So it sounds like GLR, you were on to something, my friend. Yep. You were on to something. And for those who are skipping along, the spoiler conversation is ending. <laughs> so you can join back into yeah, the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you are now clear. Um, yeah, so, I mean, that's, that's you know, that's obviously one of the, the theories that, you know, are, are very popular that everyone's talking about. So, um, you know, speak, speaking of during your spoiler, um, for those who didn't listen, you, you did mention um, the Tower of Joy, um, the fight scene, yeah. everything that we've seen. Um, do, do you think we're going to go right back to that? Or do you think it's, they're going to kind of, I, uh, you know, spread that out for us? I do think we will at some point later in this season. I think that could probably be, like, they always do a big reveal of the penultimate episode, so they could be 
saving the rest of that battle or the reveal thereof for the the ninth episode because that's usually some where something big happens. Right, you know, right. Something's always always big is going to happen in episode nine. Gotcha. So I think that's probably when we could see that. You know what I mean? And that'll be something that I know the book readers will wait like twenty years to have confirmed. <laughs> the show watches have been waiting six. You know what I mean? So yeah, exactly. I just think that'll be a big reveal for them. And then obviously, um, besides our, our, our listener questions, which again, we appreciate, and we're going to continue to do those every single week. So um, guys, you know, send us your questions, whether you're in the chat and you want to send us questions from there. Um, if you're not in the chat, you can always email it at clockdodgers at gmail.com, or you can hit us up on Twitter, you know, at, at, at clockdodgers or however you want to do it, or even on the website, clockdodgers.com, you know, in the comments, um, leave your questions there and we'll, you know, we'll pick and choose which ones we use. Um, one of the other things that we got from uh, a listener was um, at Josh Kelly time on the um, on the FL app as well. Um, he obviously listens to all the podcasts, not just the Game of Thrones podcast, because he threw a foul or no foul at us, um, which is a staple of the you know regular Clark Dodgers podcast that we do. Um, so his foul or no foul, and we'll we'll both take our, our shot at this. Um, his statement is. Uh, these are the four. Th- these four episodes that have started this season six for us basically um, are the best first episodes to start off a season for Game of Thrones yet. Foul or no foul? Um, so I'll let you take that first. Um, I'm gonna say no foul. I I watched you know I watched all twenty first episodes. You know I've been up for the past twenty four hours just watching all the game. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> I've I kind of went back and looked over, you know what I mean, just to make sure I wasn't looking anything up. And the main one that stood out to me was season four. That was when you had, um, you know, you had Overend's introduction, you had um, King Joffrey die, you had Tyrion get arrested, you know what I mean? But I don't think there's been any episodes that have had as many impactful moments as these first four episodes. Like, that's always been one of the things with the Game of Thrones is the first four episodes are kind of just getting everybody regrouped. This is where everybody's at. You know, this is where they're going and kind of moving the season along. And then you get the bigger reveals later on in the season. But this has just been moment after moment after moment. I feel like every episode has ended with like a cliffhanger that I'm like, holy shit. You know yeah. what I mean? Like you have Jon Snow waking up. You have uh, Daenerys Targaryen, the, the last episode coming out of the fire. So I definitely think that this has been the most impactful moments. I would, as far as like the individual episodes, like you know, uh, other things, directing things like that, like I would have to go back and watch them all to, to say if any of these have been better than that. But I, this definitely stands out as the best start to a season to me so far. Right, and I'm actually going to agree with you. Uh, I say no foul as well. Um, you know, obviously a lot of the things that you mentioned, but um, you know, I have to. I, if when I'm thinking about this, you know, that what, what Josh sent over to us here, this foul or no foul. I'm thinking, okay, the most impactful moment ever in the show to me, or one of the most, you know, biggest moments that, you know, everyone was waiting for was Jon Snow, um, you know, whether he's dead, or whether he's alive. So, you know, when you when you take in that probably being one of the, you know, most anticipated um, scenes ever, um, you know, that already gives it, you know, the, the extra nod. But, um, you know, like you said, um, you know, the scene with Danny there, the way, it, you know, that ended, um, we've seen, you know, all these things that brand can do that we've been kind of waiting for um you know and and like like i mentioned earlier they've been moving the scene you know the stories along so well uh where there's been no like real pause no real um you know nothing ever seems slow um so i I gotta give it the nod as well as um you know as the uh the best first four episodes and hopefully it's the best season ever period um and the way everything's been building up i don't see how it's not <laughs> yeah, so. it's shaping up to definitely be the yeah. best season so far. I think I think season four is kind of the the benchmark. The that was the opening season, the one with you know Tyrion killing Tywin at the end. Like I think that's the benchmark season, but I think this one definitely has potential to surpass it. Yeah, no question. I mean, I, and, and and you know, like like you said, there's there's been other big moments and things like that, but um, you know, th- this these first four episodes have been have been great um, in every way too. You know. They've been they've been violent. There's been um, you know wisdom and great you know great lines, great quotes, great you know uh, everything's been shot well. It's just everything's been good, man. Like I, I don't I can't really 
knock anything unless you know I'm looking to be like a nitpicker on purpose and, and purposely looking to find yeah, things. Yeah. I can't really knock anything, you know, specifically that stood out that like annoyed me or really bothered me. Um, I know, you know, some people who read the books may have, you know, have, have stuff to say about that, but um, I haven't read them yet, so nothing's bothered me. Um, one of the other things we wanted to do um, on this episode, you know, and going forward is kind of give a prediction or, you know, a bold prediction. So it may not, you know, happen, obviously, but just kind of if we had to go out there and, and throw something crazy out there, what, what may happen in the next episode. Um, so uh, for me, the, the thing that I think, you know, just being a bold prediction, just kind of going out there um, is that when it comes to the Iron Isles, your least favorite part of the show <laughs> uh uh, I think that Theon somehow maybe will become the the chosen one instead of his sister. Somehow, um, you know, we've seen, and I think I forget if it's episode one or two, whatever, um, when the father died, you know, she the daughter said that she wanted to be um, the next in line. He said, you know, that's not your decision to make. What makes you think that, you know, that's so easy for you? Um, and so I think maybe we'll get some kind of, you know, uh, monkey wrench thrown in and, and, and Theon will be chosen for whatever reason. Um, I feel like that would be a big shock value. Um, maybe it'll make this Iron Isles uh, a favorite of yours, or maybe it'll it'll tie it in more um, rather than her being the leader. I just feel like you know if you made Theon the leader, man, there's so many you know ways to go with the story. So um, my bold uh, prediction for Thrones is you know Theon will be chosen as the leader of the Iron Isles. Uh, what is yours for next week? Well, I just want to say I like that prediction. I could definitely. I, I think that would be a good way to move the story along. And I think, uh, you know, Ramsey would automatically have an enemy in the Iron Islands. And then uh, Jon Snow and Sansa would automatically have an ally. So I like that. I, I would like to see that happen. Uh, my bold prediction is if you watch the the preview for next week, you see that we are probably going to get Bran's vision of the Night King. So yes. my prediction is how that comes along is that Bran tries to go and Green Sea without the Three-Eyed Raven helping him. And that the Night's King, since it's just Bran, is able to infiltrate his vision. And that the Three-Eyed Raven has actually been keeping the Night's King away this entire time while he's training Bran. And I think that that'll be kind of the impetus for um, Bran to move away from the Three-Eyed Raven. I think the Night's King will find out about Bran. I think he'll find out where he is. And I think that the White Walkers will attack the Three-Eyed Raven base, and that'll be what makes Bran move on and probably without the proper training that he needed and that the Three-Eyed Raven wants. Yeah, I, I, that, that sounds, you know, really interesting, and, and, I, I, and I, I see what you're saying where, you know, he, he looks like he's stuck in it and uh, she's shaking him, trying to tell him to wake up, which is odd because usually the Three-Eyed Raven you know, take some right out of it. And we didn't exactly. see him in the scene either from everything I've seen. Bran was just standing alone. Um, so, I, so I, that definitely, you know, it makes sense what you're saying. And it's going to be interesting. Cause that's, you know, we've, we've only seen really Jon Snow, you know, see these guys face to face. So I expect obviously this to kind of expand on that story and, and um, you know, the importance of Bran, you know, moving forward in the, in the show and, uh, you know, what what battle he's fighting, obviously, is going to be the Walkers and not, you know, who's the king. He doesn't really care. Um, but, but like yeah, you said, I it's an interesting Brand, thing yeah, where Brand you say in it's interesting where you say he won't finish his training properly. Um, if that's the case, um, what happens? You know what I mean? Where if, if he doesn't finish his training, is he not going to be able to help, you know, like expected? Is, you know... Is it something he's going to have to figure out on his own? You, you know, if, if your prediction, you know, holds true, it kind of um, opens up a lot of stuff as well, you know? Um, yeah, so. a lot of the questions. And I kind of, you know, I, I'm a big Star Wars fan. I correlate it to when Luke left and Empire Strikes Back without Yoda finishing his training. You know what <laughs> I mean? He wasn't ready for the battle that lied ahead. Yoda knew that he wasn't, you know what I mean? And I think that uh, there's, there's other things that George R. R. Martin kind of pulls from other sources of literature. And I think that that could be one of them. You know what I mean? That, right. And that Benioff and Weiss pull from another source that this idea that you can become so powerful if you would just go through this training and be patient, but we're naturally impatient creatures. And I think Bran has shown that he's becoming impatient with his training. And I do think that it would be interesting to see him leave without completing his training and 
having to kind of figure out the green scene method on his own. Yeah, and that 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 would be you know that'd be fun. And and speaking of Star Wars, I don't know if you seen. Did you see where somebody? I don't know who did it either. I wish I knew off the top of my head. But did you see where somebody took the fight scene from Tower of Joy and, and changed it to lightsabers? No, I didn't see that. Oh man, you have to I'll look it up. I wanted to see if I'll I could find it really up. quick to kind of give credit. I wanted to see if I could find it really quick to give credit to uh, whoever made it. I don't know, you know, whoever whoever did it, they did it well because um, you know everyone has lightsabers in their hands and it just it's badass. Whoever whoever thought of the idea and uh, and put it together, I was trying to see if I could find out, you know, the official person that did it. Let me see really quick here because um, it was really cool how they put that together and. Uh, made it look like they were fighting with lightsabers i don't i don't know where the person got the idea but it, it looks awesome um it looks like it says here yeah. i'm assuming this is the person who made it because it has over three hundred thousand views but uh it says eric the Pooh on youtube that's the person's name um but if you just look up tower of joy um jedi battle um that that I'll that you'll, you'll, you'll find the up. video and, it, and it's awesome. I wanted, to, I wanted to actually put it up on cloudodgers.com, which I probably will. So um, by the time you're listening to this, you may be able to just go over to cloudodgers.com and find the video there. But um, shout out to that person, company, whoever made that video. Well done. <laughs> um, so that's pretty much it for this episode, I think. Yeah, I think we covered pretty much all the bases. Um, you know, of course, I always want to tell the listeners, you know, if you guys have any suggestions on, um, you know, things you want us to go over or, you know, uh, things to add to the show, um, you know, the questions, keep sending in the questions. If you have any topics you want us to discuss, um, any, anything at all, you know, uh, Tony, go, go ahead and give them your Twitter and everything so they can find you, if anything. I'm at Reimer, A-S-R-E-I-M-E-R-A-S on Twitter, and I'm Mr. Me Seeks on the FL app. Exactly. So you can find me at both those places, and then, yeah, just reach out, ask anything that you want to be asked on the show. Like I said, we usually check those forums right after the show airs to see if there's anything anybody wants us to discuss. Yep, and I'm at Clock Dodgers on Twitter, on Instagram, um, on the FL app, I'm Profit, P-R-O-P-H-Y-T. Um, you can also hit up the email or... Um, go over to clouddodgers.com. You know, Tony puts up uh, Geeky Bugle articles every week. Um, he does a couple of other things as well, but you can check those out. Um, if you want to, you can even put your questions right there under his articles. You know what I mean? We check those out too. So um, check out the articles, check out all the videos, check out everything we have up there. Um, and uh, that's pretty much, like I said, that's pretty much it for this week. Um, we're going to look forward to, to next week, which is, man, I just count down the minutes every day, every day. As soon as the episode oh, I'm ends, I'm, I, I hit the clock and <laughs> just start just start waiting for it to come back around, man. Yeah, just reset the clock, yep. <laughs> so uh, it was a good talk, man. Hey, guys, again, thank you for the questions. Thank you for the foul or no foul. Let's do it again next week, and we're out. All right. I'll see you next week, man. All right, man. Later. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to stop by clockdodgers.com and follow us on Twitter.